Hello, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 282, and this one was recorded in Harper's Ferry in West Virginia. Now, I know I had told you originally that I would be traveling all throughout West Virginia, and I'd put out a number of episodes, but in the meantime, I got three article assignments, and I have to be here in the Northeast to meet certain people and to photograph them and to write about the specific places I'm seeing, so I couldn't make it through the whole state. But I did make it to Harper's Ferry. I was in Maryland for about four days, and I drove over to Harper's Ferry to meet the wonderful musical duo Minx Miracle Medicine. That is made up of Melissa Wright and Daniel Sezeski. And they were kind enough to have me at their home where we had coffee and I met their rabbit. And I kind of directed all of my West Virginia questions their way. So thank you both for fielding those and for humoring me because I had some questions for some other people that I hoped maybe they could also answer. But we also talk about their music a lot. And their music is fantastic. Go to the notes in the player that you're listening to, and I'll have a link to their website. And on their website, there's a link to their music. I believe it's all linked through Bandcamp, so you can and should be supporting them monetarily, which you can do on Bandcamp. There's also uh, some merch that they have, some really cool merch. They've got this this horse towel that you need to see because it's really cool and really beautiful. And I am now the proud owner of one, which I'm excited about. So yeah, give them uh, a follow and check out their music and check out their tour dates too, because they'll be moving around a bit here in the fall. Also in the notes in the player that you're listening to this in, that's a weird way of saying that, isn't it? Well, you get my point. But there's a link to my Patreon account, and that's a subscription-based service where you can give monthly and get cool kickbacks like zines, stickers, shirts, and you would have gotten a postcard from West Virginia. Because even though I was there a day, I'm dedicated to the people who are dedicated to me. So thank you, Patreon subscribers. If not, give the podcast some love by giving me a like and a follow and just telling people about it. I want to go back to West Virginia do a proper job of it, put out more stories from West Virginia. It's a place that I don't know a whole lot about, uh, but those are always the places that I like to see the most. Okay, I'm going to have a song play for you here before the conversation, and that song is called At the Fair by Minx Miracle Medicine, and it will be followed by the podcast interview.
So you've never done a podcast before? Um, uh, we did have. Chunky Glasses. Yeah, we did a podcast. That's a podcast. Oh, who's yeah. Chunky Glasses? Um, he was in D.C., uh, but that was like, like an NPR, four years ago. NPR? Guy? NPR wasn't. That wasn't. Well, he worked for NPR? No. I don't think so. Yeah, he did. He did still does. Chunky Glasses work for NPR? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Tiny Desk. He was all, yeah, he was behind the scenes a lot of that. Really? Yeah. Well, anyway, he had his own blog called uh, Chunky Glasses, but now he lives outside of Detroit, I think. Mm. But it was all like That's music. a big change. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't know why. Did NPR covered, um, and I am rolling, but I can, I can cut all this if I need to. Uh, they covered, you did, ah, oh, sorry, it's Mountain Something, like the festival out here. Uh, Mountain the Stage. Program. Yeah. Oh, the program, yeah. Yeah, it's an NPR radio program in... Based out of Charleston, West Virginia. And that's been going for a while. Yes. What was that? We did the... Yeah, they've had, I think, more than 100, at least. Uh, they've had 400 shows. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean... Throw that number out. Literally, like, almost everybody could think of, like... Who? Uh, Sandam. Well, Kathy Matea hosts now. And, I don't know, Wilco's done it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And they have... It's a really cool place. Um... It's in the yeah, drone bias, everyone. Yeah. It's just been around. It's a lot of history. Really cool. Same yeah. guy are doing it for, well, he just tossed a, tossed it over to Kathy. Yeah. Yeah. What's his name again? Larry Gross. Larry Gross. Okay. He's the host. And he did a lot of uh, singing in Disney. No Terry Gross relation, I guess. I, I don't NPR. think so. Just, okay. just happens. So, cause Terry Gross is also NPR. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, yeah, he, <laughs> He has a, he was funny talking about his own career because he was like, yeah, I had a hit song. It was a novelty song about loving eating junk food. Really? Yeah. Junk food junkie. Check it out. Larry Gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, might, I might cut that into this episode. But yeah, I look him up and he's done a lot of singing in Disney movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was like the voice, the singer, singer in some Disney music recordings and stuff. Oh. Yeah. But anyway, he was the host of Mountain Stage for a long time and started it, and then he just passed off the hosting to Kathy Matea. And we played his last hosting show. Yeah. Really? Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Is Charleston, like, the city where tours go, like, if, if tours are coming through West Virginia? Um, kind of, yeah. I'd say Charleston. People play a lot in Huntington, right? I think so. The V Club. Oh, the V I think Club, yeah. That place always changes its name, but it used to be the V Club. I think it's called The Loud now. You'll see a lot of touring bands go to The Loud, the Loud. in Huntington and then Morgantown. Yeah. Is Charleston the Empty Glass there? Yeah, the yeah, Empty Glass. Empty Glass, that's a cool place. Yeah. I've seen The Purple Fiddle. Yeah, The Purple Fiddle is in Davis, Thomas Davis. Mm. The Purple Fiddle funny. is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a kind of like an old general store and they just have like a nice culture of having great music and good food and people will travel just to go there. Mm. Um, and also like a lot of outdoor stuff down there. Do you get passed by on a lot of like major tours? Cause that's what I was thinking like to get in and out of West Virginia, it's sort of like circuitous. Like there's no main interstate that yeah. like runs straight through to the next major city, you know? You, you mean like, like as far as bands coming to play here, 
Yeah, yeah, like, no, like we, tour packages. Like, yeah, no, we, n- we never see live music really. No, they're going. They're either going uh, to uh, Baltimore, or DC. Yeah. yeah, which is fine because it's an hour each way. So, it's, oh, that's not bad. Yeah, it's. Well, I'll also say it depends on the type now. of music yeah. because there's a place nearby that gets a lot of big like bluegrass. Oh, the the uh, B chord. Yeah, mm-hmm. B chord. It's big bluegrass bands like like. Uh, Del McCurry, Del McCurry and Sierra Farrell plays there sometimes or has played Billy there. Strings. Billy Strings. Yeah. yeah, like those bands have kind of like a little culture here. Um, but no, not a ma- But that's not even West Virginia. That's actually in Virginia. So, nope, we don't really see bands. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Yeah. I was wondering like if, if, if bluegrass is sort of... So I, I, I'll preface this and then I'll I'll go back and do a little bit of a more formal intro for you both but I grew up on Long Island uh, and I've spent my adulthood in in New York City now like 12 years Uh, growing up in that region if someone said they listened to bluegrass I I think it wouldn't be uncommon for someone to be like what the hell is that Uh, in West Virginia and in this region is it ubiquitous like across generations like are young people today also Young meaning like kids in high school and teens. Like, are they also listening to to bluegrass, or are they like, you know, kind of phasing out to to larger genres? Uh, they're definitely. It's almost like less of a listening to it and more of just like a you're growing up with it with other people playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really like you go home and you put on a record and you listen to bluegrass music, but like it's so much a part of the music culture mm. here that you can't not hear it. Okay. So, yeah, even if you don't like it particularly, you're still exposed to it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you grew up in Pennsylvania, so you... Yeah, we didn't know what bluegrass was. Yeah. But me, I'm like, you know... But there are, I mean, apparently parts of Pennsylvania close to Scranton that... It's pretty big, just right around the corner, just not where I. Yeah. Punk music, that was punk ska. That was it. Yeah. And you. <laughs> yeah, I never know where like bluegrass meets folk meets Americana, like how one would differentiate if you were like trying to explain to someone like sonically the sound of the music. Ooh, okay. So if I were trying to separate yeah. bluegrass and there's also old time, do you know what old time music is? Um, I think I have an idea in my head of the sound, which I'm not going to do because I'm going to sound super, <laughs> super silly. But old um, time is like more here than bluegrass, I'd say. So like old time music is more like a trance style bluegrass music where like everybody plays the same melody all at the same time. And then you just like repeat the song over and over and over again when you play it. Mm. So like there will be a melody that everyone knows and we all like learn the same melody and we all play it all at the same time. And then you just play it and then it ends. Bluegrass music, there's more, it's like the same instruments, but you play them slightly different style and there's more focus like on an individual. So like bluegrass Ah, music will have solos on each instrument. That actually helps a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then country music, from bluegrass to country, I'd say put drums in it, and bluegrass music becomes country music, right? Yeah. And then Americana is like, 
make the lyrics good. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like add more poetry to it or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Uh. I don't know, though. I've some good lyrics in bluegrass music. Though. It's true. They're, they're, really good. Yeah, actually. Oh, well, whatever. Whatever kind of music you use, you find some poetry. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. Americana is, like, weird. But I think it's just what they use to describe, like, it's kind of like, Americana is more like the world, word, like, world music. Mm. Where it's like, everything. Right. Everything's world music. Yeah, it's like, everything made in America is Americana <laughs> music. Yeah, okay. That kind of <laughs> makes sense. Um, well, let me also say thank you for having me in your oh. home, a stranger. Um, I always get like five minutes to talk to people before I like first start recording. So I'm always conscious of the fact that I'm a stranger in people's homes or workplaces or basements or wherever I record. So, uh, yeah, thank you for having me here. You're welcome. Anytime. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you're my first West Virginian representation, I think. So that's pretty cool. Nice. That's crazy. Yeah. And you're from here originally then, Melissa? I am from where I was, I was just saying before, I guess before we were recording, uh, Hillsborough, Virginia, which is like if you went up the mountain and drove to the other side of the mountain, you'd cross a state line and you would be where I grew up. Okay. Yeah. So technically by what, you know West Virginia standards, I'm not from here, but we've lived here for seven years. Six years? I thought it was eight years. Eight years? Yeah, eight years. Pretty okay. Sure. And I've and I like grew up basically in the area, so um I hung out around here all growing up, so I don't know what a true blooded West Virginia would describe me a West Virginian would describe me as. A transplant. <laughs> yeah. Well you left for a bit for school, right? Yes, yeah. Just a couple years I yeah. You went to Boston? Yes, I did. Yes. I went to uh, Berklee College of Music in Boston. All right. Now, that's a great music city. Um, if you're talking about punk music, like deep roots in the punk and hardcore scene there, there's also big venues. They have mm-hmm. like they have Boston Calling Festival. Uh, why leave there and, and come back here if you're playing music? Oh, why leave Boston? Yeah. Ooh. She's just a country girl. <laughs> I couldn't handle the city. <laughs> she had to get her sweet girl. tea down here. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, I just didn't feel connected to it. I don't know. I never mm. really felt a part of it there. Yeah. Mm. No, that's that's <laughs> that's fair. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I, mean, I like being uh, I like being outside, and I don't like cars very much. Too many cars. <laughs> Was there a scene there for like bluegrass music or more country sound? Um, well, at Berkeley, there was, you know, there's always, there's like all types of music at Berkeley. So there was like a little, yeah, a little okay. scene. Um, and they had a program there called the American Roots Music Program that just started when I was there. So there was a pretty strong like bluegrass scene. Yes. So when I was there, Sierra Hull was there. She's a mandolin player. Oh, cool. Molly Tuttle actually moved into my room after I left my apartment. Molly Tuttle is a really, really big guitar player in the bluegrass world now. And, um, yeah, a lot of people who are out working in the bluegrass world are acquaintances of mine. Stash Weisslouch, I think he's in New York. Mm. Um, but, yeah. 
So I'm surprised. There is a pretty big Americana scene there. At Berkeley? No, in Boston. Yeah. Like some of the bands I toured in down that way, it was a big deal. Yeah. That's my experience. Yeah, so let me let me ask you about that a bit because I know you you've played in other bands. Um, I'm maybe more like a little familiar with like uh, Wilkes-Barre area. Yeah. Um, because also like yeah, growing up along Island, we had like a really great independent punk scene, oh, yeah. and hardcore bands. Yeah. And so like there was like uh, there was actually a f- I mean maybe you even know it, but there was like a the Posse Numbers Fest was like in Wilkes-Barre. Yeah. Um, Scranton. I know the Menzingers are from Scranton. Yeah. Uh, so. Can you tell me a little bit about like the the scene that you came up in there and like your early interest yeah. in music? Oh, what's the Menzinger scene? Yeah, yeah, we were, we went to school together. Oh wow! Okay, uh, Menzingers took a snippet of my song, Casey. Yeah, um, they, it's originally mine. That's they mashed it up and changed it. It's funny you mentioned that. Like the only band, but. <laughs> He yeah, was, they, he's an original member of the Men's Kind members. of, not really. Like I just grew up. <laughs> we we had like a band practice. I don't know, but they yeah we uh, um, yeah them Tiger's Jaw. We were all friends yeah. growing up and uh, oh, around wow. the same time. So yeah, so we grew up playing a lot of ska music. We were all in like ska bands originally, and, and uh-huh. they you know the Men's Ziggers formed, and they took like you know the sounds of the Clash and other like just just made it their own way, and it's just. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, I'll get back to Scranton scene though. Like, I, Scranton was a special place for music, I think, because there was really not much going on there. And mm-hmm. like, dude, like I, I, you look over the mountain and the stars, you're like, what the fuck's over there? Mm-hmm. You know, like the dreaming, like in the growing up Scranton was pretty, pretty special, like that feeling. And so it was like a not a jaded scene at all. It was very, oh, like just okay. just pure. Like not like L.A. You know? I mean, I'm not bashing L.A., but we didn't know what the fuck was going on, on the other side of the mountain. Just like music and i think that's why a lot of great bands came out of there wicked phase uh you know wicked phase no he was the he's a founding member of tiger's jaw and now he's like he solo. played a little peep a lot oh, really yeah and <laughs> just to like get your, yeah and now he's just like the goth uh sort of um yeah. sad boy music hip-hop yeah but you should check him out he'd probably like it. it's good well i mean and i i don't say this disrespectfully but scranton is like a a bit post-industrial like the city yeah. has like sold off a lot of like its municipalities and stuff to like private industry to make oh, yeah. money and a lot of corrupt politicians there like just, yeah yeah and, you know bored kids corrupt politics that often leads to good bands it yeah. does no it's yeah. crazy yeah i mean there's no funding for shit there like mm. i mean they they you know our school that they they made like this fancy school spent all this money in the football field and architecturally it was horrible like not like barely there was enough lockers for us like they just they just like the the money goes in crazy directions there mm. but uh yeah it's uh it still hasn't changed much obviously if you've been there like it nothing really changed there are supposed to put an Amtrak station line there mm. i think that's going to really <laughs> fine like i mean i'd yeah. say fine but that's going to change i think that yeah. that connection to jersey right across from new york i think can have some house flippers probably you know that's where <laughs> the investors are gonna the investors are Maybe. coming the investors are coming i mean office did great things for scranton but still didn't do sh- change it it was just still scranton yeah like, so. well you know i was uh listening to your records the last couple of days when i was in in maryland um and i won't date you here like i, w- I won't guess your age but there's remnants of 
or at least what I felt like a little bit of nostalgia for myself for like late 90s, early 2000s emo before that became sort of like a household term and was the sound changed and, you know, was sort of like co-opted by like popular bands or something like that. Like, and even in your vocals, um, uh, the first track on the newest record is At the Fair. Yeah. Yeah, so to me it was like Rocking Horse Winter, if you're familiar, or even like yeah. the anniversary a little bit. Like, mm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I felt that nostalgia, and I was wondering if that. If Wait, now you're saying like late or early 2000s, 90s emo? Or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I grew up like. I don't think that we did to Dashboard Confessional okay. slash punk, Wallflowers, you know, it's all like deep seated in there. Really? Yeah. The oh yeah. yeah, wallflowers. I mean, it was my first concert. No, I think okay. wallflowers was where we were like, okay, we can kind of like we get this each other. Yeah, that's yeah. If we could write together, like for, like co-write and be like, let's find like what's what's one thing we kind of agree on wallflowers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like, okay. like that sound of like the Americana, mm-hmm. but like yeah, I don't know what you call it, like grunge Americana maybe. That what would you call wallflowers? They're Americana. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, a little. Yeah, it's sort of the marrying of a couple worlds, right? Like yeah, 90s alternative yeah. was, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. A little bush. Yeah, bush, you know. Some people said breeders, which is mm, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, none of that really on purpose, I guess, just us always trying to work on like how we can agree <laughs> on our Difference, yeah, different we, worlds. We came from way different musical backgrounds. So yeah. yeah so how did you meet then? Charlottesville. Yeah, we met. We both were living in Charlottesville, Virginia. Fun story. And yeah, we were um, both there at a show as guests of bass players. <laughs> so we were at a show. We went to a show at the Jefferson Theater. Um, actually, I wasn't living there yet, but Danny came with Jesse Fisk, who was playing bass in the Hackensaw Boys. Right? Is that how it happened? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but he was no longer playing bass. But he was doing, like, a you know a guest appearance that night. Yeah, so Danny came as a guest of the old bass player, and I drove John R. Miller from Shepherdstown to Charlottesville because he was playing in the Hackensaw Boys. But the like current bass player. Yep, huh. and so then we met in the green room. Yeah, and then you came to my show after, because I was playing at a local place afterwards. Yeah. You came saw me. And then some time goes by. And then you come to the Blue Moon Diner where I was playing again, right? Yeah. And then I walked up to her. I was like, I was like, we've met, right? Right? Yeah, you're like, I think we've met before. And I was like reading a book by myself. I just moved there. And then I was like, you want to come over? Stay (laughs) over? Yeah. And we got, (laughs) and we went to a convenience store, got beer and batteries for her blow up mattress. (laughs) Beer and batteries. Beer and batteries. Yeah. Were you in Virginia then for work or for music or how did you? I moved to Charlottesville when I was like 19. Mm. That first time I've I've left and came back like twice. Yeah, I just just finished high school, moved there. Mm. And um, with my sister's friend. And then I moved, you know, and then I just, just played music really. Is it a good place for music? Yeah, oh, definitely. Ah. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's so many places to play. And um, it's just like an easy place to live, really. It was an easy place to live. It's very expensive now. Ah. But uh, it was just like an easy place to kind of wander around. And I feel like Charlottesville 
when you were living there and then the reason I moved there was because uh, had this like thing where it was like kind of like the like weirdo arts capital of Virginia. Really? Yeah. Like a lot of like anarchist philosophy. I don't know. That's my what my perception of being drawn there was. It's like the DIY scene yeah, before, there. Like, the, yeah, there was like more, there's a lot older buildings that were occupied by you know, the arts and oh. uh, and more independent. And uh, transient people. Yeah, or just, or anything, yeah. I mean, before, you know, big money took over, we bought up the buildings. Uh, you know, oh, there was a dollar movie theater that got bought up, turned to a venue. You know, just, a, uh, it's, it's just a place of tourism now. The mm. culture is pretty much just, State Matthews band is from Charlottesville originally, so. Really? Yeah, they put it really on the map musically. Yeah. Ah, yes. oh, interesting. No, I know like Richmond has a ton of bands. So I, I mean, Charlottesville. I think I like honestly only know because of like what happened there a couple of years ago, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, that that really did all uh, changed it. Yeah, that's kind of the end of that. Kind of put a, a nail or a pin on the the feeling that we were feeling when we left, which was like. Hmm. You know, we still have a lot of love and a lot of great friends there, but um, it just started feeling really wrong being there. Mm. I don't know. It was weird. Is there sort of like an enclave of that sort of like punk and DIY in West Virginia somewhere? Yeah, I think uh, Morgantown probably has. Mm, let's see. Who's That's right? close to Pennsylvania, right? It's like north? Um, or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Pittsburgh. Okay. yeah. Close to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, Shepherdstown used to have a really good punk scene with, uh, yeah, Shepherdstown used to have a pretty strong thing and that's all I can really think of. It's probably Mm. Morgantown and Shepherdstown. Other than that, I don't really know from my experience, although I'm sure there's something, Mm. but I feel like overall, like the punk scenes have kind of changed or gone away. I don't know across or maybe we're just old well i mean we'll, we'll where we live we're pretty detached from a lot of you know like current stuff yeah like you know who knows what the teens are into nowadays well yeah honestly even sort of looking at this state even from like a historical perspective i was trying because initially i was going to be all over the state and now i'm here so thank <laughs> you two are sort of like, I'm going to ask you what I was going to ask a lot of different people all over the state. So uh, <laughs> maybe that's unfair. So definitely if, if, if anything comes up and you're like, no, then we don't have to. But um, yeah, there were like two sort of older punk bands that played a bit. Um, both of their names are now escaping me. But like there was like nothing currently yeah. that I was able. I'm sure there are bands and like smaller DIY scenes, but I wasn't able to find much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, can't think of any right now. Mm. Hello June is although I wouldn't I wouldn't say if they're punk mm. really but um I can't remember if this band is from Kentucky uh, I want to say you know I I'm afraid to say without knowing and like yeah. look, listening a little bit to their music before I call it punk or whatever but yeah I'm sure there's tons of people making it it's just I think we're a little bit in our own world here and not really connected to the punk scene of West Virginia yeah there's a lot of like I guess sort of like I don't know if alt country is the right term but um, how I discovered you was you had done sort of like a a written format 
interview for a blog and they talked about like the spinster label and Mm -hmm. things like that. So, yeah, that's a cool label. Um, that's, uh, I think Emily Hilliard runs that and she is, or she was the folk, uh, folklorist of West Virginia. Yeah. So I reached that, out to her. Oh, yeah, cool. Okay, yeah. But she's in Kentucky now. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, oh, neat. Yeah. Makes, kind of makes sense. Yeah, she's so. a great person to talk to yeah. about anything like that. I feel like she keeps probably a little bit better tabs on what's really going on than oh, yeah. what I do. <laughs> yeah. I just think about myself all the time. Well, so because I'm not <laughs> going, like, deeper into West Virginia, uh, at least on, at least now... Uh, how would you say that the Harpers Ferry area differs? I, I don't know if culturally is the right word, but sort of like just like the feel of being here to other parts of the state. Yeah. So we are basically, I mean, we're literally the tri-state. So Maryland, West Virginia and Virginia meet where Harpers Ferry is. And there's uh, the, where the two rivers, the Shenandoah and the Potomac meet. Um, and so I think the biggest difference is probably economically where we yeah, are Jefferson County, mm-hmm. the wealthiest county in, in West Virginia. So yeah, big, that right there. Mm. You know. So we have commuters. Yeah. To DC from here. And then I guess there's like, due to that, there's a tourism industry here. In, yeah, the raft. Oh, yeah, the raft yeah. In. yeah. Oh yeah. Also the having the, the river right there. Uh, yeah. That's huge, and the trails, and the rafting alone draws in. I mean, every time we talk to somebody. When we go play a show out, they're like, like, oh, yeah, I've been rafting on the river. (laughs) Every time. Every time. Or tubing, yeah. So I guess like that's the the connection. Tourism economy because of the rivers Hmm. and the national park um, from the, you know, the history. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, obviously all the Civil War stuff. John Brown, Civil War. Civil War battlefields. People. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really beautiful trails around here with the Civil War. Some of the battles are fought, just gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, people, yeah. So that brings a lot of money into the area, which I think kind of gives people more freedom to start their own businesses and, you know, support each other. Um, There's a lot of jobs here. And more jobs. Which, a lot more to pick from, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Like, there's so many more options and a lot of other parts of West Virginia where people are relying on, you know, some, like obviously the coal, coal industry is dying. Energy, logging. Um, yeah, so I could almost, like, if you simplify it, it's like Jefferson County is white collar mm. and the rest of the state is blue collar. If you were to just simplify it in, like, a couple words. Um, and, of course, that, yeah. yeah. The county, though, is very West Virginia still, in my opinion. Like, the community. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Try to, like, center that. Oh, yeah, the local government. Like, they're still trying to push, like, (laughs) industry here. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Like, they, and it just doesn't need to happen here. Mm. There's, we got a Rockwell factory put in under Mm. everyone's noses. And they've released a statement on, what was it, Easter Day or or Thanksgiving? Yeah. That old trick on the newspaper. And uh, just without anybody's... I mean, it's just... It's still wild and wonderful. It's still wild and wonderful and very, yeah, trying to... Is conservative. It a, can I ask you about coal? Yeah, I mean, I don't know a lot, but... All right. Uh, well, this is... I'll sort of, like, give you my perception because 
<sighs> Again, um, like probably similar to Charlottesville, which like, uh, you know, a lot of people that, that, that came there that day didn't even live there, right? And now like the, the city gets painted as this event that happened in recent memory and that's what people think of. Um, hopefully I'm not being unfair when I say that I think what a lot of people know of West Virginia in recent memory was the Hillary Clinton Trump election when they both came to West Virginia. Hmm. Um, Trump was uh, pro coal and clean coal. And, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Hillary came here and like made a pretty massive blunder, I think, in, in telling people like I'm going to do my best to get rid of coal. Mm-hmm. And so. My perception is that this is a state for generations there have been people who worked in the in these industries extracting resources, mm-hmm. coal, gas. Uh, I think a lot of people now are coming around to the fact that, yeah, that has been a major contributor to climate change and that's bad. But at the same time, you have generations of people who are proud of their hardworking relatives who have worked for their families, uh, maybe even got sick uh, were often unionized and were actually Democratic voters, which may surprise a lot of people like mm-hmm. from New York who might think it's just, uh, you know, a state of conservative voters. And so there's this sort of dichotomy of like very proud people who are scared of the fact that jobs might go away versus mm-hmm. this like industry contributing to climate change. And I just wonder like if there's like a consensus about that world here in the state or if, if you felt that at all. Um, well, personally, I guess just driving through the state, um, there's other types of, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's all like politician stuff. Mm. Like, I don't think normal, not normal, average people, the working people, care as long as there are jobs. I think yeah, it's really up to the local government to pick the pace up, you know, to, yeah. to figure it out and figure out new jobs. Like, cause it's just like, like where I grew up in Scranton, that's that, that the, there wasn't as much of a need for coal in that area. It just stopped. And the, and the local, the government did not rebound quick mm. enough. And that's why that place just didn't, <laughs> didn't bounce back from what one of the richest, I mean, it's like, like it was like modern day New York then. It was just like the place where people went. I think that like everyone else in the world kind of thinks of West Virginia as coal. And I do think yeah. it's, that energy is a big part of, in factories, I guess, in the Western part or the uh, Southern part of the state. But tourism is like just as big, I, I mm. think. I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't feel like I'm the right person to ask about okay. this. Yeah. But... Yeah, it is weird how people think West Virginia and they just immediately think like coal country. And it's like the, the jobs are going away anyways due to technology, you know, and, and uh, you know, them blowing up mountains is way cheaper than hiring people to go in the mines. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just, have, there's so many wind turbines oh, here yeah, too. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. It seems like a lose-lose. Yeah. At this point. I've, I, but I, yeah, that's sad though because, you know, generations of people are proud of their their line of work and they've worked with their parents and their cousins and sisters, brother, whatever, you know, and that's like, that's some sad shit right there. Yeah. And they should be proud. But I think oh, that yeah. what's suffering people more is that they don't, they're like 
quote unquote, getting rid of coal or think they're going to get rid of coal, but there aren't other things that are being invested in to like give them other opportunities. And that's why so many people leave the state and why like so many of our friends who are musicians leave because there's like no music industry here. There's like barely a bandmate, you know? They're literally giving people grants to move here now. Yeah. Have you heard about that program? I, I, did see that recently. Yeah. yeah. I was like, hmm, tempting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, okay, so there's two sides to this argument. I know that I have some friends who got really pissed off because, like, oh, we should be giving the, the why don't you just give that money to West Virginians? Well, you should have lived here when but, we got the stimulus checks then because you'll <laughs> <no>, see. <don't. laughs> Everyone just bought an ATV. No, I'm not saying. No, that's on tape, but. I mean, I, I, mean, I won't get. I I was appreciated it like getting those checks, but yeah, that that happened too. Like and most people I know are like, oh, I could Party. go buy some stuff that I yeah. wasn't gonna buy because I didn't have the money. Hey, <laughs> I bought a, I bought a Martin. Um. Yeah, it's not just West. <laughs> it's obviously not just West Virginia. Yeah, like everybody yeah. needs money. I was always like, yeah, yeah. A lot of people probably bought themselves little prezies. Little oh prezies. yeah. God, <laughs> even if you didn't have money, you needed that money. So, <laughs> like, I'm yeah. never gonna just have money like this. So then that sort of like the the. I don't know the term quite for like the lack of jobs like that's sort of seen and felt I think oh yeah by a lot of people yeah oh yeah mm. um definitely that's why a lot of people leave because there's just like almost just like not even like a lack of jobs but like lack of opportunity for anything mm. <laughs> like you said there's no bands that come through there's no you know there's a lot of stuff on the under the radar, though, I think, still well, happening here. Right? Like Richard Branson doing the test, uh, testing the... Uh, the mic... Um, basically the bullet train. Yeah, that like thing. From, really? Yeah. Yeah. But I think he pulled out. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Oh, well, never mind. Oh, also our governor got kind of famous during COVID. Did you ever see him with the bulldog? The guy with the bulldog? Oh, no, I'm thinking of Mansion. No. Oh, yeah, Mansion. No. What's the bulldog? No, never mind. His name. What is his name? I can't remember his name. Oh God! Uh, That's uh, I'm getting off here. Should I look it up on my my, yeah, yeah. my private time? He became famous. <laughs> Jim during, Justice. Oh, thank you. Yes, Jim Justice. He became kind of viral during COVID because of just the ridiculous like West Virginia things he would say, like "Ah, oh, you killed two turkeys with one." <laughs> I liked how he how he talked to the public during that though. Yeah, I he was like just very straightforward and. Can he was oh, yeah, he, he went viral yeah. because it sounded like he told people to wear an F can I curse? Mask. Yeah, of course. Uh, it sounded like he said, wear a fucking mask. But like he was like, oh, it glitched. It glitched. <laughs> what? And no then he way. always has his bulldog <laughs> with him. Oh, yeah. I got to look Baby this up. Girl. <laughs> I know the dog's name. I can't remember his name. <laughs> I didn't know that. His dog's name is Baby Girl. Yes. Well, I was just thinking, like, it's interesting that you mentioned people leaving because uh, I'm I'm sort of, like, in the... When I'm doing episodes, the Northeast is, like, all sort of fair game for me. You know, today I drove two hours. It's not uncommon for me to do that. Like, I've even from New York City driven out to Montauk a lot, which is the east end of Long Island, and that in the summers, three hours one way. Um, so I'll drive a lot. And in, like, the Maryland, Virginia even sometimes Pennsylvania, if I'm looking for bands that are playing like folk, Americana, bluegrass, 
I'll find them from that area and then they've all left and they're all in Nashville. Yeah. Like, everyone heads yeah. to Nashville to try to make it. I don't blame yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah. Does this mean that this to, to keep a band or to find people to play with is tough? And especially in a place like this, mm-hmm. it's really tough. Mm-hmm. Especially to find somebody you like you enjoy being around to play with. Like out there, man, you got lots of choices. Have your song. Way better shot of having a band. So why haven't you done that? Just uh, I'm a country girl. Mm. No, yeah, <laughs> I just didn't. Know. Yeah, back I, to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it probably would have been smart like to do it a long time ago. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we care more about like being able to do whatever we want than yeah. about being we like famous. being close to our families. I think we want yeah. to do more because we looked. Yeah, I mean, away from our families. I mean, also like. Not to put down the Nashville dream, but, like, even the people who we know who've, like, kind of are doing well, you know, like, you're still making, like, teacher, like, $40,000 a year. Yeah. Which is fine, but, like, when you put Nashville rent in there and... It wasn't their dream to be making 40 grand yeah yeah yeah. i mean i'm not like i mean money isn't everything right but i like freedom i I like freedom music it's an untrustworthy thing in a way to put all your cards in at a certain time i feel like it's just for me at least the return is just like statistically it's just it's just like weighing your odds nashville leaving this wonderful place you know yeah i mean we can living here we like I said, we can do whatever we want. You know, that's awesome. Which, yeah. Like, what more could you really? I mean, isn't that what every musician wants to do? At, in the I feel end, like that's what every American wants. Yeah, to do. yeah. It's like, okay, well, yeah, we we're slight, we're disconnected from, you know, some some things, but like, that's like what people who are retiring like try to do. Mm. Why don't we just like be retired now? Mm. <laughs> just like enjoy. Yeah, and it's just worked out, anyways. You know, yeah. no, not really feeling pressure to, to, to try to make it. You know, to push it harder. It's, it's just so we could enjoy the life in West Virginia and play music, traveling, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you get what you get, kind of thing here. Yeah, I also, I mean, it's music industry stuff. Since we're talking about Nashville, is like you kind of realize the longer that you're in it, how like it's kind of the world's biggest pyramid scheme mm. and the people who are paying for it are the musicians. Oh yeah. Like a paid application for Americana Fest. Yeah. I mean, come on. They know they're not going to pick any of those bands. What? Oh yeah. You like, have to pay to apply like, to music festivals. Like, well, like it's all, oh, it's got it. It's like yeah. all management and labels. They're all connected working together and they already got their lineup ready, but they're still, it's like, oh, let's just, Let's mm-hmm. get that. They, I think they're paying for the, the acts with the application money, probably. I think they are. That's probably a big part. <laughs> yeah, of that's it. like what college so, does. Yeah. They're like, we pay our scholarship students with yeah. all the people who can pay full yeah. price. I mean, similar, like that started happening in like the punk scene, like pay to play. Bands would have to buy a certain amount of tickets and then sell the tickets on their own just to play certain yeah. shows if they're like a touring band came through. And they would do it because they're like, hell yeah, I want to play with this band. But it's like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, uh, I just, we just put in for Folk Alliance, which is like a big festival that takes place in a hotel. And like, you know, I guess it's kind of a industry, whatnot, you know, mingling thing. But you pay to apply. And then I'm pretty sure if you get accepted to perform, you still have to buy the passes to attend the conference. 
but they give you a discount. Isn't that nice of them? Is that here? Or? No, that's like in the Midwest. I think they move locations every every year, but anyway, not really a dig at them because whatever their business, I guess. But just as a <laughs> yeah, that was a dig. <laughs> Never mind. All right, I have one more. I have one more sort of like West Virginia culture question, but I promise it, it, I'll, I'll relate it. Um, another sort of, I think, misperception or, or stereotype about West Virginia is sort of this backwards nature of people living in Appalachia, um, which starts with like, I think Lyndon Johnson did these, like he went to like the most r- remote rural areas of Appalachia and he's like, I'm going to fix like the economic situation in this country. And he showed America people living in extreme poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's echoes of that, I believe, till today, that yeah. like people who haven't come here still have that vision in their head. Yeah. Does that impact you as a band being from West Virginia, say, in the eyes of like maybe a larger label wants to pick you up for a record or something like that? I don't think so. That's good. Because I feel like there's an appeal to it now. Really? In West Virginia. I feel, yeah, there is something that people just, I mean... I mean, people who leave West Virginia from living here, they, they go on tour and they, they still say they're from West Virginia. And I see, hear it. There's like, <laughs> even though they don't, but I think there's some, there's some, what, uh, maybe a... Well, it's don't say any names. No, it's I, like what you were saying not, about um, you find the bands that say they're from somewhere, but then you find that they're, they're actually living somewhere else. It's like, well... Hmm. What yeah. point do you get to say you're not from a place and, anymore? And I don't even think it matters. I think what matters when these people want to pick you up is if your music's good and if you're selling tickets and going to shows. or so, like That's all that really matters. I think that's the only thing that probably has been like maybe not in our favor is that just the fact of being from a rural place is that like building a fan base that you sell that you can sell tickets for in a city is like... Mm. You know, half of that, I think, is from having a strong community with other musicians mm. and building, like, a, a scene, kind of. Um, and that's just, like, not possible when you live in a rural area uh, as possible. Like, you know, you don't have, like, 20 bands who all support each other. And, right. Like, you did in Scranton or whatever. Yeah, that w- that was not even intentional. It was just it's just that natural you know yes. natural uh so as far as the perception of other people there's some ways that i think it probably holds us back in other ways that it's helped us like we never would have been on mountain stage if we weren't from west virginia ah well they, yeah that makes sense yeah because <laughs> we're so small and we don't you know we're not big enough to bring the attention of like a national radio program there has been a bit of a reclaiming and a pride also uh, attached to like the Appalachian identity in recent years as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even in bands like, I think they're from Asheville maybe, but like Rising Appalachia is a band that's like oh, really yeah. kind of big, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, they're, they're cool. Yeah. They've been around a long time. Mm-hmm. They've played like every festival. Every festival. Yeah. yeah, they do a lot. I think they even they recently went to like Alaska or something too, oh, that's which cool. sounds awesome. Yeah, I love the yeah, bands do that. They go to like Hawaii or Alaska. That's yeah. you know, mm-hmm. seems like those shows are probably super unique. And, 
Have you ever had an opportunity to play overseas? Or no, we never. Neither of us have been out of the country before. I've been really? Ma- no, I've been to Mexico, but we never. <laughs> well, I've been to Canada too. Oh, you've been to Canada Excuse and me, the, yeah. the hat and the pants. Like, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, it's not like I'm across the pond or anything, but. <laughs> yeah, we're, no, we're going I, to though. We are going to happen. do it. Yeah. We're but there's to leave the country. There's a growing scene, I think, in in Europe. I mean, just because I mean the the U.S. exports culture and like there are like massive uh, like mainstream country bands, I guess that get have an appeal over there. So yeah, I've heard that it's growing. But I mean, they're also like super into like techno and stuff. Dude, <laughs> so. I love techno. It's, it's, <laughs> especially like the Germany, like the scene. My cousin was in there. That's cool. Really? The dance, it's wild. Cody? Yeah. Yeah, we were just in um, in the early part of the summer in Eastern Europe. Uh, so, like, these former Soviet republics. And in some ways, culturally, like, there's still elements of, like, the 80s there. And there's, like, real weird techno music there that's there, too. I bet. <laughs> yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, you both have, like, done shows or like mini tours off your bikes right uh no not yet oh okay it was a dream off the motorcycles definitely will still want to do that and have like someone in a car yeah 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 but and it, obviously it's not what it seems in your head to actually do it it'd we, be very challenging i mean you'd have to like maybe time up instruments with people out of town or mm-hmm we did, like, almost testing the idea. We rode down and did, like, a photo shoot with our bikes. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and, wow. It's a lot. It's a lot, <laughs> but we'll do it one day. Yeah, you have to, like, build endurance up on the bike, mm-hmm. I think, and get used to it. Because, yeah, the, it's, just, yeah, it's tiring. Have you both been riding, like, most of your lives? No, only a couple years. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. But I, it's great. Do you ride? Yeah, well, like Ben Nichols of Lucero does like the bike riders tour sometimes. <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've seen him. Yeah, yeah. I've wondered about that though. If yeah. it's just him, or if like someone's going I, in a car with like merch and stuff. Oh, definitely. Probably I someone. Definitely in got car. somebody. Yeah. yeah, because also the thing that we realized is that like, if you hit like a little problem, you know, like for us it rained a lot. Oh, on that trip. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's not good. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> it rained. It like it was like torrential downpours, hard as it gets. We, and we were riding on the Skyline Drive. Um, I don't know if you heard. Oh right. yes, yes, yes. We rode that just rain, bucket, nowhere to go, nowhere to pull off. It just is had to ride through it. Huntington area. Or? Oh no, this is actually just through um, Shenandoah National Park. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's a really, Virginia, yeah. really cool thing to do is ride the motorcycles on, on there. But you gotta do it during the week though. Be <laughs> stuck behind cars the whole time. We went uh. slow. Yeah, that was epic. But it rained, and I, and I was like, okay, if we are going to do this and try to make it to gigs, like, you you have you probably have to cancel like most of your shows if you have like mechanical problem or Scott, yeah, you know, it rains and you have to stop and you can't ride through the rain. Yeah, it seems so obvious, but I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's funny. I know when I first thought of it, I was like, this is gonna be that'll be really fun, but then it's. But you can do it, though. You just got to adapt to it, and it would be fine. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of... Just it would be fun and different, for sure. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll, we'll and it would probably that. we'll probably bring out a few extra people just for the fact you're riding a motorcycle. They, like the, they like the bikes. If you, yeah, if you marketed it, like, right? Johnny Corndog used to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who's Johnny oh, he, Corndog? Oh, Johnny... Well, he's Johnny Fritz. Johnny now. Fritz. He's not Johnny Corndog anymore for some reason. 
It's a cool name, though. Yeah, but he's uh, he's from the Appalachia as well, right? He lives in Charlottesville for a bit. Yeah, but he's uh, in L.A. now and a musician, but also a realtor and nice. a comedian. And a lot, a lot, like a leather worker, makes beautiful uh, like guitar straps and oh. other custom orders that are leather. You should check really. him out. He's hilarious. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's really funny, and his songs are really good. I don't know. He's just like a... All over, like, like a renaissance man. He's a renaissance man, but anyway, he used to tour on his motorcycle. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were chatting a bit before we recorded about you played, um, and I didn't know of you at the time, which I'm disappointed in, but you played Red Hook in Brooklyn, where I worked for a while, uh, kind of close in a way to where I live. Uh, what do you remember uh, of that show, and, and what was that like? Oh, playing that show? Yeah. Like, a, uh, what, what about that? Sh- what do you mean? Well, I'm just, like, have, uh, maybe I'll preface it with this. Have you played New York other than that? Yes. Oh, okay. So, like, yeah. where, where in, in the state have you played? Um, okay. A couple different. Did we play, what, Pianos? Is that the name of the place? Skinny Dana? No. No, we've never played. Oh, Skinny, that's right by my apartment. No, okay, that's Skinny cool. I could totally see you playing there, too, we've yeah. Never played, we've actually never played Maybe there. Maybe it was Pianos or something? Pianos. We played some places yeah, yeah. in Manhattan. We did a city winery, like, cellar session. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was cool. Cool. Um, oh. We played... <laughs> Yes. All the places that would let an unknown band mm. from West Virginia play. There was one place that was really cool called like Goodbye Blue Monday, maybe. Uh, that was maybe my favorite bar we've yeah, ever played at, but really they closed because cool. yeah, it was, was like a. Is that like a Kurt Vonnegut? That is a Kurt Vonnegut yeah. book, yeah. So it was like a Kurt Vonnegut bar. bar. No way. How yeah. do I not know that? Oh, it was. I was like, this is sweet. Where was that bar we went to? At? Oh, the bar is uh, Sunny's. Oh, yeah, of course. That's yeah. also Red Hook. Yep. Yeah, that's speaking of Red Hook, yeah. I'd like that to play re- there. That was really, really, really cool. Yeah, oh, we just so hung you've out there. done a bunch, yeah. Yeah, we've been there. I had one summer, like, five years ago that I decided I wanted to go play in New York once oh, yeah. a month. Where are we playing there? We're playing there soon, next. We're supposedly uh, oh, so, oh, playing at Jalopy coming up. Jalopy? Jalopy Theater. In New York? Yeah. Do you know what that is? I gotta look that up. No, it's like Jalopy School of Folk Music or something. Oh, but yeah, yeah it's awesome. Was it in Nora Brown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Nora she's Brown. She's like real young. You played with her somewhat recently. Yeah, recently. Yeah. But yeah, she plays there. Oh, cool. Or When's Jalopy that show? Records is their thing. Well, if it is happening, I don't want to say a date because it's okay. not confirmed. But sometime in October. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. So we're fans of New York, you know. Like, like I said, we like to do whatever I we lo- want. I love New York. <laughs> I like the New York Yankees a lot. And we have a friend who's a good friend who works up there in the film industry. Okay. Um, and so has, I don't know. It sounds fancy when I say the film industry. So we like to go visit. Well, Skinny Dennis is real cool because it's like, you've probably been there. No, just outside, oh. just by like weird timing things. We've never actually been right there, like at night when they're open. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's awesome. It's just, it's sort of like, in a way, out of place. Um, yeah. Like, as compared to, like, the rest of the neighborhood. But, yeah, yeah there's, I mean, they have music almost every night. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes it's like, yep, bands that, like, really pack that place out. So it's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It, yeah, it looks awesome. Man. That'd be a fun place. Yeah. I love, yeah, I love that part of Brooklyn. It's Brooklyn, right? 
Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Williamsburg, yeah, yeah, right by the river there. But yeah, played in Manhattan a couple times, and then I've kind of vowed to never go back <laughs> to play. It can be different, yeah. It's a little, it's it's a little stressful it's for very, us. Very oh, for sure, just yeah. Like the parking stuff and <laughs> waiting in your car for hours because you know that's just that's um, the thing, really. But yeah, if you were go asking, back in better circumstances or arrangements, you know, mm, yeah. be able to park at someone's house or stay at someone's house and then go to the show. But if know. you were going for like. How does it feel going to New York, being from West Virginia? Is that what you're kind of... Yeah. It's extremely overwhelming. Almost unbearable. Really? Yes. <laughs> I don't feel that way. Not for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm no. like... I, yeah, it's probably just like... Philly was worse. Last time we were in Philly, I almost... I was like... I don't know why. I think it was the... Usually it, it involves like parking things, which I could see being stressful for everyone. But. Yeah, listen, it gets overwhelming for a New Yorker. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. The other night, so we had this, you maybe had it too, we had this like three-week heat wave and it was just freaking brutal. Oh, yeah. And I'm like walking the other night just to Walgreens, like drugstore to get a cold drink. And it's so freaking hot, even at like 10 at night and I'm sweating and I see a rat carrying another dead rat. And I'm like, this is just too fucked up right now. Like, this is like, oh my it's my gosh. David Lynch landscape. Like, I don't want to be here right now. So, yeah. That's it so real. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Carrying a rat. Man. It gets overwhelming. Yeah, that right there. <laughs> yeah, you just like, I guess, yeah, you can't. I mean, you have to put some effort into to get out in some woods there, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just the traffic just... Yeah, it's it's just to get out of the city. It's, yeah. it's an hour, and yeah. then mm-hmm. you're on your way somewhere. Yeah, yeah, Man. yeah. But love visiting there a lot. Yeah, I love the feeling it gives me. Yeah, going there. It's just a very it's inspirational, cultural. Just, that's why I love going there for sure. It feels mm-hmm. really good that way. Get out of your head, mm-hmm. and get your little small ego in check. <laughs> you know, living here is like. Yeah. I'm the tits. <laughs> well, do you get to play like in Harbors Ferry a lot? Um, not a lot. Uh, there's a place that we that will that I'll go play sometimes called the Barn of Harbors Ferry. Mm. Uh, the friends own, and yeah, not really much playing in Harbors Ferry, but um, playing with people for fun. Go do that with people who live in Harbors Ferry. Do you have anyone like from the area that you would recommend people should check out? Oh, from Harper's Ferry? Yeah. Or like um, some of your like uh, band buddies. Band buddies from Harper's Ferry. Well, I love Furnace Mountain Band. Furnace Mountain Band. Cool. Yeah, and they live in Harper's Ferry. And uh, I've been playing music with those people for, I grew up with them. So like basically forever. They're older, but I, I grew up. They raised me oh. in music. But, um, yeah, they're amazing. Furnace Mountain Band and the Woodshedders. Yeah, I'm currently in West Harpers Ferry, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're also from Harpers Ferry, the Woodshedders. Kind of like a – they were originally like a ja- uh, gypsy Django. Oh, cool. Yeah, but now they do – I think they call themselves Shapeshifter Americana. They do whatever they want. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's fun. Really great band to see live. Great dancing. And yeah. A little bit of Cajun in their beat, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Would you have the opportunity, let's say, um, 
I'm trying to think of a band, but let's say like a, a band's doing like the national circuit and they're doing like a four week tour. Would you be able to hop on something like that? Or do you have like day jobs that get in the way? Um, I teach music lessons and Danny does uh, handyman work. So yeah, we would do that. Oh, both, cool. both the self-employed. Yeah. So yeah. Can, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. We're hoping to get to do that one day. Yeah. Have you ever had any like sort of feelers put out by, you know, uh, I don't want to say like mainstream labels, but like like bigger labels that are interested in putting out a record? No. Um, mm. We've had like people say they were going to show it to important people, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Like, people. You know, we've had those talks before, but mm. nothing, nothing directly with a label itself. Yeah, people who say like, you know, people who we know are showing our music to people, but no, nothing that has happened. Yeah, like definitely some people got hyped on it and were like, oh, man, you know, but obviously you look at the numbers and then they're like. <laughs> Is that what they do? Do they look at like Spotify streams and stuff like that? Probably. Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, also, yeah, it's, I think, I think less and less who you know probably because, you know, fi- like everything's so friggin' expensive now. Yeah. I think it's less and less who you know. It's just like about straight up like Can this band's really, really good and everyone's going to like their shit. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's genuine like people who love art and have funding to produce bands, but like, you know, like I also like am involved in like the horse world. And now I'm like kind of thinking about bands as like horses as well. Oh. It's like they got to be worth something like for you to invest in them. And that's not really anything personal. Um, I don't take it personally as a musician because I will always make music. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, What's the good end of the deal in a music label? Like the, the booking <laughs> agent probably. So you get to keep living your, your passion, playing shows. You get to, you know. Do you mean like what role, like would you actually make a living? Is that what you're saying? Oh, you'd make a better living probably and not signing a contract. I think the consultants are the ones raking it in right now. Mm. (laughs) The people who are like band consultants. Yeah. Who just charge like a, it's basically like music lessons, but they charge you like an hourly rate for their, for you to get, for them to give you advice on like what you're supposed to do. So they don't have to take you on as a management client and like, uh, take a percentage of your measly $100 gigs. Mm. They're like just taking your 150 and rolling down to the next band. Well, and like in most creative <laughs> industries now, they're really buying your f- like followers. They're, yeah. they're buying yeah. your ability to like market almost through this like digital fan base. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I don't really get butthurt about it because I'm like, the music industry is separate to me from, like, being a musician. And, like, you don't have to do both. Mm. You can make music, but that doesn't mean you have to be involved in the music business. Mm. Even though we are to some degree. But, yeah. Anyway, you were asking if we've been asked by major labels and... No, we have not, and um, that would be an interesting thing to if it happened because I don't know what we would do. We'd probably take it, right? Well, oh, if, uh, yeah, I mean, I would much rather play music than 
refinish the porch ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Any day of the week. Well, I'm going to cut some songs into this episode so people who haven't heard you will hear you. Oh, thank you. Uh, what can listeners expect? Like, are you working on a new record? Are you gigging? Like, what's going on? Yeah. We are working on a new record, and we're playing gigs sparsely in the northeast, New York, Pennsylvania, West well, Virginia, Virginia, North Carolina. We got some cool stuff coming up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll have a new record we're recording in October. Yeah. Okay. With an old crow, a former old crow medicine show band, uh, dude. Also a guy from yeah. Harper's Ferry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Solo now, right? Yeah, I think I, maybe you mentioned him in that interview you did on, on that blog. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's on tour with some big band now. Is it? They're playing, like, stadium shows. Yeah. Um, he's really playing cool. with a band called Need to Breathe and, um... One Republic. And One Republic, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah like a huge stadium. It's really cool to see him. Um, all right, well, we're at an hour, and this battery is going to die any second. Um, but I will also link to, like, the band camp and website stuff so people can, can find all that stuff. Uh, and I appreciate you both. Thanks for doing Thank this. You. This is Thank really you. exciting for yeah. me. Yeah. Thanks. Cool. Cheers. Cheers. All right, Voyagers, that is a wrap on episode 282 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks, Daniel. I had a great time talking with both of them. Please check out their music. Check them out if they're coming to a town near you. I had a great summer, everyone. I hope you did too. I really do. I hope you got to travel and explore all the creative ventures that you do and take some time for yourself. We're heading into like what I consider to be late summer, I know we really kind of have like an actual month left of it, but the school year is starting up, so that means I'm back to teaching. So it's winding down for me. But there will be a lot more stuff. I've been writing a ton. I've got a bunch of articles coming out. I've got some more episodes planned in the near future. So please stick with me. Follow, like, subscribe, tell a friend, all that cool stuff. All right, Voyagers. Thanks for listening. As always, please, please, please take care of each other. I'll catch you very soon.
Someone else.